So we're coming towards um, the end of a series uh, for the start of this year, looking at practices that help us to be with Jesus. And if you're new to All Souls Church, um, uh, uh, first of all, again, welcome. And second, our vision as a church is essentially uh, this or this or this. Next slide, please. That one. Um, to be with Jesus, um, to become like him, and to do what he would do if he were living our lives today, as it were. So, um, in short, we strive to be with Jesus, like Jesus, for everyone. Uh, for everyone, because that's what Jesus came to do. To break down the barriers between people and God, uh, restoring us to life in him and through him. And his invitation was and is for everyone. So, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes in him, has faith in, has trust in him, wouldn't perish but have eternal life, said Jesus. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever, this is for everyone, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. So the call is for everyone to follow Jesus and to follow him means to be with him. But obviously Jesus is not walking the earth right now so we have to think about how we foster our relationship with him unfortunately there is 2,000 years of christian history for us to draw upon to help us do this heroes of the faith who have walked with jesus through good times and bad and have known the beauty uh, the comfort the joy and the challenge of his presence in their lives so these practices that we're looking at they're not new ideas they are ancient they stretch back throughout Christian history, right back to Jesus himself. And they are tried and tested ways of building a life-giving relationship with the one who knows you, who loves you, uh, who gave everything for you. So this is what we've covered so far. Uh, silence and solitude, uh, community, hospitality, prayer, and Sabbath. Now you can go back and you can listen to those teachings on our podcast if you're interested, which you can find on Apple Podcasts uh, and SoundCloud. Um, or via our website. Um, I'm not sure we're on Google Podcasts at the moment. Is that right? Are we Put your hand up if you've got a Google phone. Sorry, this is not a, like, a data thing. Um, okay, so we'll try and get it up onto Google if, if that would help as well. But the, otherwise, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website are three different ways you can listen to our uh, teachings. Today's practice is scripture. The uh, Bible, this ancient I just realized I forgot my Bible. I haven't got my Bible here. How ironic. Um, this ancient yet living word of God handed down to us each generation finding new relevance um, and challenge in its pages. You know, every year the Bible would be top of the bestsellers uh, in the list in the charts. Uh, forget Prince Harry. Uh, forget anything else. Um, this sells more copies every single year by a magnitude. But it's not always straightforward to read or to understand, which is why we spend some time unpacking it, um, you know, usually in pretty small doses in our Sunday gatherings together, and why we encourage people to get into scriptures in their daily lives. I know many of you do this already, and more of that um, in a minute. But first up, um, there is so much that can and should be said about the Bible, and there isn't the kind of time to do this now, this isn't, for example, going to be a history lesson about who wrote the Bible and when or how it was put together, um, you know, why, why we can trust its accuracy or the diverse forms of literature it contains. 
Um, if you're interested in that, can I recommend to you the Bible Project's excellent How to Read the Bible series. It's a collection of five-minute uh, videos on YouTube which give a, a great intro into what's in the Bible and how we can read and understand it today. Okay, so there's, um, take a look at that. There's about 20 videos in the series, but the strapline does it really well, um, the Bible Project used, which is that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. That's the point, ultimately. So in talking about being with Jesus, which is what we're doing in this series, in the Christian tradition, that starts with the Bible and taking the Bible seriously as God's authoritative word. But what I want to do this morning, just kind of fairly briefly, because I realize we've got the kids in. I, 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 my, my kids are a little bit older than they once were, but I know the feeling of, of, of wrangling little children in, in church. So please, parents, don't feel at all worried about that. And, and again, you can break out if you need to, or just, um, well, well, no, your children can break out. Don't, don't, you're not allowed to go and run off and leave them here. Um, <laughs> however tempting that may be. Um, but yeah, and there, there are options all around. I just want to think a little bit about the logic of why and how we can do that, how we can take the Bible seriously in a world that doesn't do that, and how we can sit under the Bible's authority today. Because unless we do that, we're kind of wasting our time coming to Jesus at all, really, aren't we? So with the usual kind of caveats in place, um, uh, which very little of what I say will be completely original um, or, or not gleaned or derived or plagiarized in some uh, cases, which if you think about it should be a comfort to you. Um, let's look at these two passages of scripture, one from Genesis 3, the other from Matthew 4. So Genesis 3, and uh, um, as I said before, forget the kind of science, religion, um, evolution, creation debates. These are not the questions that Genesis was written to address. Um, science answers questions like when and how. Religion and philosophy address different questions such as why and who. It's been said that the opening chapters of Genesis are mythological in style. That doesn't mean they're not true. It means that the truths they point towards are the deepest kinds of truth there are. Truths about the condition of humanity and our relationship with God and one another and ourselves. So what we have in Genesis 3 and Matthew 4 are two parallel stories. In a sense, they tell the same story twice, but with different characters and an outcome. In both stories, you have a person, Eve in Genesis 3, along with Adam, Jesus in Matthew 4, being tempted by the Satan, um, literally the accuser or the slanderer. It's a role description, not a name. Uh, this mysterious character who makes it his business to drive a wedge between the creator and his creation. And to strip his tactics um, right down to the bones, he's tempting Eve and Adam to, quote, redefine good and evil based on the voice in their head and the desire in their hearts, rather than to trust in God's love and his wisdom as it comes to them through his word. I'll say that again. Uh, to, he's tempting them to redefine good and evil based on the voice in their head and the desire in their hearts, rather than to trust in God's love and his wisdom as it comes to them through his word. The attack is all about trust. And if you were with us a while back, you may remember the New Testament word for belief and faith and trust is the same word, pistuo. We often think about faith and belief as something passive. You know, we either believe or we don't believe and there's not much choice we have in that. 
But that's not what the Bible teaches about faith. Faith in uh, the Bible is wrapped up in the concept of trust, which is an active decision. We choose to trust God or not. And this is what Satan goes for. He gets Eve to question God's love for her and his definition of good and evil, right and wrong. This is the heart of the whole issue. Will the humans trust God's definition of right and wrong as spoken through his word or throw that out and go their own way? Will they or won't they trust God to have their best interests at heart in the boundaries he sets? And the answer in the Bible, starting with Eve and Adam and continuing throughout the Old Testament is no. People won't trust God. They'd much rather define um, right and wrong themselves. And the result is the messed up world that we live in today. It's the path of every human without exception from the start until we come to Jesus. Now Jesus in Matthew 4 is in the wilderness. He's faced with the same recurring character, the Satan, who essentially tries the same attack on Jesus that worked with Eve and with every other human since. He tempts Jesus to depart from his heavenly father's will and go his own way, to define right and wrong for himself. And you'll know that, that Jesus sort of famously counters Satan's lines of arguments using scripture, using verses from the Old Testament, from the Psalms and Deuteronomy. And even Jesus are faced with this same choice. Trust what God says or not. And Jesus does something amazing. He doesn't just not give in to the temptation like Eve and Adam. Remember, Jesus is God incarnate. He could counter Satan with any words he chooses. But he uses the the words as the same scriptures that we have today at our disposal. He trusts God's word. He puts that greater reliance on scripture. And in doing so, he kind of places himself under its authority he identifies with it can you see what 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 that means by using scripture to resist satan jesus is affirming its validity and its authority for us he trusts it you know the crazy thing is that that, that, you number of people who say that they like the god of the new testament but the god of the old testament not so much you know for all four of the gospel writers present stories of jesus affirming the Old Testament scriptures. That was his Bible. You know, the New Testament wasn't written yet, obviously. <laughs> and you know, of course, this is something we all relate to. Of course, scripture is complicated and confusing and hard to understand and difficult, and we need help making sense of it. We shouldn't uh, pretend otherwise. But to be people of Jesus, to be with Jesus, then like him, we have to trust God's word in scripture. There really is no other credible way. We have to trust his word and let it have authority over us. So um, about four, four, five minutes left, kids. You're doing great. Um, uh, hold up if you've done, a, if you've done a, a, a pipe cleaner sculpture so far. Oh, a cross, very good, Phil. Very good, very topical. Have anyone else got a pipe cleaner sculpture? So far, I see something that looks like a lot of springs. That looks like an engineering project. What have we got over there, Jesse? A 3D scribble. I like it. That's good. 
Very good. Did you just come up with that answer at that moment? Very, very, very good. Okay, good improvisation. Right. Uh, where, where was I? Okay. So a word on authority, okay, because authority is not a very popular context, is it, uh, um, concept in our world today. There are two types of authority. Um, structural authority, which is what leaders like Vladimir Putin wield in an extreme version, or, or just the laws of our land, or perhaps even the authority that some of us as parents like to imagine <laughs> that we have. Um, um, but that's not what we mean when we're talking about the authority of Scripture and of Jesus. Um, so as one commentator notes, Jesus did not come with an army. Um, he, 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 you know, actually some of his contemporaries wished that he had come with an army. He did not, Jesus did not issue parking tickets. Okay, um, that's what structural authority looks like. When people said no to Jesus and his ways, more often than not, he generally walked away. He just let them walk away. One of the things we struggle with most about the Christian image of God is that he lets people make their own choices. He lets us make our own choices, even when the consequences are bad. God places a very high value on free will. So Jesus didn't and doesn't wield structural authority. The authority of Jesus and of scripture is spiritual authority. It's not laws of the land, it's laws of the universe. How to thrive and know life in all its fullness. And to truly be with Jesus, in that sense of being his disciples, following him, we have to place ourselves under his authority. We have to choose to do that, to place ourselves under his authority and the authority of scripture, however countercultural that seems. Um, you know, we don't do well, like I say, with this idea of authority. We're not, it's not an attractive proposition. We find it hard to believe that somebody else's definition of right or wrong could be better than our own intuition. Nicky Gumbel tells a story of a day where he ends up being press-ganged into refereeing a game of football that his son was playing in um, when the official hadn't turned up. And the problem was that Nicky didn't know the rules of football and he didn't have a whistle and there were no pitch markings. And so every time somebody shouted foul, he didn't know whether it was a foul or not. So he just shouted, play on <laughs> every time um, the result he says was a disaster and when the referee finally did arrive the game was in chaos there were angry parents everywhere and there were injured children lying i think he said there were three injured children lying on the pitch um, all of which to say as we come to to land we struggle with authority but the game works best when we have the right boundaries and the questions we all face is will we look to God for those boundaries or to someone else? It's the same question that Eve and Adam faced in the garden. It's the same question Jesus faced in the wilderness. To trust or not to trust. To accept God's way or insist on our own. Freedom comes from knowing that the one who knows you and loves you is in control. To follow Jesus is to trust that he has your best interests at heart. And to be with him is to know and to trust his word. So, 
practice for this week um, for you to consider is this. On Monday the 27th of February, so a few weeks from now, a group of us are going to start reading the New Testament together. So we, some of us did this um, uh, at Lent. Uh, last year we did Luke and Acts. Um, and we're going to be doing that using the YouVersion Bible app, which you can download for free on your phones. Um, so ask about that if you don't know how to do that. And we're going to be using a reading plan. The reading plan we're using is one done by the Bible Project. So we, it takes us through the New Testament over the course of a year with some of their really good videos looking at um, kind of different uh, books of the Bible and so on. It'll take you about 10 minutes every day. Why not join us? Um, more details about that coming in the church news. Also... Um, like I say, take a look at the Bible Project's How to Read the Bible series, which I mentioned to you. It's a really good way into getting your head around um, how scripture works and how it fits together. I'm, I'm not going to exaggerate. I've got to be um, careful because the, the principal of, of my theological college is about to become our new Bishop of Kensington, um, Emma Einstein. She's absolutely brilliant. It was delighted she was here. But some of the stuff that the Bible Project done on helping you understand how to get into the Bible was as good as some of the, the teaching we got at Theological College on, on hermeneutics and on the Bible. So do look at that uh, stuff. It's really, really good. Um, and there are also a few other apps that you can check out there, which are ways of getting into scripture day by day. Pray as you go out, Lectio 365. I know some people of you here already do that. So um, come and spend some time day by day with Jesus, learning to trust him and be guided by him through the scriptures. Let's pray. <laughs>